Hello, weary internet travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. I'm still your host, MJ Smith, and if you've never listened to the show before, each week I take a film and discuss it with a guest, and we have never seen that film before, and we give you our expectations for the film, and the following week we uh, let you know what we thought about the film and the after segment, hence the name of the show. So this week... I am welcoming my fiance to the show, Miss Kristen Falls. Hi, Kristen. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Yay. So to start people off, do you want to give people a background on who you are? um, That's a lot. And what your history with cinema is. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, sure. Um... (laughs) That's a long question. That's going to take up a whole podcast episode. I do not think so. Yeah. Nope. Um, so, I watch movies. Not as much as you. I do not critique them as much as you. I feel like I have less of a, or more of a tolerance for movies just because I like them. I feel like either I just arbitrarily like or dislike movies. Okay. I eventually can con- con- come to conclusions about them and give you reasons, but I automatically know whether I like it or not before okay. I know why. Okay. And I usually like more things than you. <laughs> it's true. I have a friend like that. We have a friend like that, I guess. Um, Eric, good friend of the show. Hi, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of just likes every movie. He sees, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Eric, you should come on the show. Yes. Um, so, before we jump into the film we are going to be discussing this week, is there anything you've watched in the last week that you want to discuss? I have probably watched everything you have watched. Uh-huh. Is there <laughs> anything in the last week that you want to discuss? I can't remember. Okay. Um, well, we watched Boyhood yesterday. We did. One of the um, 2015, 2014, some crap, I don't know. One of the Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards this year. We're slowly making our way through the Best Picture nominees. Um, we've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel. It was really good. It was really good, I think. Um, I was pretty distracted that day because we had some house stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, uh... Can you so, just tell them real fast? Is that okay? Yeah. We had a, a pretty major leak in our house the day we watched the the Grand Budapest Hotel. So, um, I wasn't necessarily able to focus on it completely. And with many Wes Anderson movies, I need to watch them multiple times. I ultimately end up liking all of them. And I would say I liked the Grand Budapest Hotel. But I feel like I need to see it again just to, like, really get it. It's true. I think that that one, though, was quirky enough to where I immediately enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There's, It's not to say that you can't enjoy it more after multiple viewings. Right. But I think that it was just so fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was uh, Madcap, which I liked. I don't think it's going to be winning Best Picture at all. Yeah. But that's a different story. But we did watch Boyhood yesterday. And uh, for those not in the know, Boyhood is uh, the story of a boy who cried a river and drowned the whole world. No. Oh. No, it's just the the, sort of time capsule of the 
early to recent 2000s. Um, it follows a boy named Mason Coltrane. No, Mason... <laughs> Mason something. And MJ. Yes, here they call him MJ. MJ. And his sort of journey into graduating high school from the age of six. So that's uh, that's kind of it, really. Like, um, not a lot happened, uh, which was something we had heard. Yeah. But I think something we didn't really wrap our head around until we saw it and nothing really happened. I think it's hard for people to wrap their head around that in general because we've been telling people that too and no one gets it. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of Boyhood? Um, like I said before when we were talking about it, um, I think that it was tall. It definitely was long. Yeah, um, it's about three <laughs> hours. It's like two hours, 45 minutes. It's really long. And like I, it came in waves where I was super, got really uninterested in it. And then it would catch me back up in like a wave of you know, interesting plot, kind of plot. And then it would lull again and I would be kind of bored and I'd check my phone and then it would get more interesting again. So I ended up getting through it all without, like, just wanting to die. But it was, there were moments where I was just like, this is really long. Yeah. But I feel like that's kind of the ebb and flow of life. As well, I thought it did a, a good job, like, emulating how real life works. And, like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily know how I feel about that because movies are escapism. And then it was just like, oh, here's some life things happening. Just life. Like, how your life is. Yeah, that's true because I was just going to say when you said that, that I don't, but I don't want to have the lulls of life in a movie where I want to be entertained. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was a bad movie. Yeah, uh, I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought it was really well acted. Um, I think Patricia Arquette is a shoe-in for the Best Supporting Actress. She was really good. Yeah, she was really good. And um, really well shot. It's probably the best shot Richard Linklater movie I've ever seen. Usually he just kind of keeps the camera where it needs to be to get a shot. Um, I, I, he's played around with stuff before um he's done two movies that have been completely rotoscoped uh waking life and a scanner darkly which have that sort of comic booky looking move feel to him like it looks like a a moving comic book but the shot composition those isn't the greatest it's pretty static and this his camera movement was pretty dynamic like a lot of camera work would show the passage of time or he would just do these long uh shots following people yeah you mentioned that while we were watching it yeah yeah it was uh there's one scene when he's in junior high and he's talking to this girl who's riding her bike and it follows them around a corner and down a long alley a really long alley and i just couldn't wrap my head around how much track they probably had to lay down (laughs) to accomplish that shot especially since Track is really hard to lay down. Like, if you have it just a little bit off, it's it's going to screw up your shot. So there was a lot of testing that needed to go on for that. I think we haven't mentioned that. This movie contains... It, it, it is a span of 12 years. Okay. And 
they've used the same actors over the course of 12 years. So each year they would film more and more in the lives of these characters. It's a fictional movie. It's not a documentary. It's just the same actors over and over again. And I think that lent itself well to some of the some of the the more like day-to-day stuff still being kind of interesting because you saw these people change. Yeah, I think so. Um and you know, I feel like that's why a lot of people also saw it because it's kind of a crazy thing to consider that these actors worked on this and everyone else worked on this for 12 years. Yeah. Um I think that the movie served itself well and it didn't come off gimmicky. It very easily could have. Mm-hmm. Um we also talked about this this morning. I also think that there were points where the movie could have been really melodramatic and it wasn't and it helped it a lot. It helped make it feel real and like organic and you actually cared about it when it was happening. Specifically, there's an abusive husband situation going on that could have easily gone into lifetime movie territory. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't. Like it was it was really raw when it when, you know, the reveal happened that he was being abusive towards Patricia Arquette's character in particular. Um, And so I I think it was a super well-crafted movie. Um, I think there's a lot to digest and talk about in that movie, even though it is um, just sort of day-to-day. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I I felt a little bit more free to talk because there were no super important plot points. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think that... I was try I was noticing and pointing out a little bit like character choices that they made to represent parts of their character. Um, like the character that Ethan Hawk plays, he has the same car for like ten years as a really old car and doesn't get a new car until his life changes. And mm-hmm. I think that I was telling you, I think that that like was a good choice for him because like he was never gonna change, kind of, except for that he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he wasn't going to change until he was. It's yeah. basically that, that entire character. Yeah, Boyhood was it was good. I, I'd say if you want to see it, see it. I, I don't think I'd watch it ever again. Yeah, I would say see it if you have three extra hours that you don't have anything else going on. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I could definitely see why it's uh, nominated, though. I, I'm not unopposed to it being nominated. Yeah. Um, you know, between the two Best Picture nominees we've seen, I'd say that's the better of the two. That's the one I enjoyed more, but... You enjoyed Boyhood more than The Great. Grand Budapest? Yes. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. I am the opposite. Oh. It, the Grand Budapest Hotel was so fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm not anticipating that to be my choice. but I'm not anticipating either one of those to be the one I root for in in the Best Picture race, I think. I'm going to end up rooting for Whiplash or oh, Birdman. Yeah. Those are, I, I really want to see Birdman. I really want to see that. Um, is there anything else you've watched this week? Any TV or? Um, I have been watching embarrassing things like Supernatural came back on and been watching Gallivant, which is super fun. Oh yeah. Weird Al was just on Gallivant. Uh-huh. Uh, lots of fun people are in it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a very fun show too. Stamos in the second episode, yeah, which you gosh, can't go he's wrong with. So good. <laughs> he was ridiculous in the second episode of Galavant. Oh my gosh, I really—he was a really good choice, and he really had that medieval look going for him. Yep, but like that d-baggy French medieval look. Yeah. Like, it was kind of a variant on the Monty Python and the Holy Grail French or d-bags joke. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I get that. He plays a character named John Ham, which I thought was hilarious because of John Ham, and he is famous for his smolder, and <laughs> that's almost all John Stamos does is smolder <laughs> in his episode of Gallivant. Um, that show's ridiculous, but I like it. Oh my, I like it so much. I've been telling a lot of people to watch it. Oh, you know what? is so strange that I keep watching for no apparent reason is Constantine. Really? I've been keeping up with that show. Really? I know. I didn't know that. I know. It's such a strange show, but I keep watching it. Huh. They introduced the bad guy finally, and I was like, oh, well now I want to know what happens because they could cause the world to end. Oh. Yeah. So is it a good show or is it just weird? It's... I like the side characters more than him, but I really think that if you were into that comic, that you'll probably like that show. Okay. I like the comic well enough. Um, I think the guy looks exactly like the comic book character. Well, from the way I was describing him to you before, it sounds like he is also personality-wise very similar. Okay. Um, I don't know enough about it to know if they're using the same, like, villains or anything. Uh, It's super dark. Yeah, it looked like it. The trailer for the like pilot or whatever looked like it was pretty dark for like an NBC show. Yeah, and don't be ex- don't have high expectations for the CGI budget. Oh, because it's not great. <laughs> but I think that they maybe they realized that, and you've used less of it because I've noticed it less and less. Okay. But it's not the cute, quirky Doctor Who bad CGI. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh. Take I... us seriously, but <laughs> actually we kind of look like crap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, I think The Flash has some of that. I don't know if it's gotten better as the season has continued. I'm a liar. What? The Flash doesn't have that. The Flash has really good CGI. Oh, there you go. Never mind. Is that it? Yeah, I'm sorry. I right. talked a lot about that. So. Um, did you watch anything else this week that you want to talk about? Not that I want to talk. Sometimes I watch weird English dramas that don't need to be talked about. Okay. I have been sick the last couple weeks. And I I watched a lot. uh, Not really a lot I want to talk about. I watched the movie Frank starring Michael Fassbender as the lead singer of this sort of experimental punk rock avant-garde bullcrap band <laughs> and it was good it was it was a i think it was a really good satire of those sort of like go-to pretentious bands art rock yeah. uh type people um maggie gyllenhaal plays the keyboard player in the band and she's all about the music man <laughs> and she does like a really good job portraying that type of character that's really funny i didn't know she was in it yeah she's really good in it actually um she's someone who one of the first things I saw her in, which I don't remember, oh, Stranger Than Fiction. When I saw her in Stranger Than oh. Fiction, I was like, I want to see more of this woman. Mm-hmm. And then she was in The Dark Knight and had replaced Katie Holmes. And I was like, I miss Katie Holmes. Yeah. I thought she was not great in that movie. There were more problems with that than just her, but we don't have to get into that. Yeah. But yeah, she's she's really good in this. Uh, she plays, like I said, the sort of hippy-dippy... Uh, I don't care if we make it big, we're going to challenge the audience <laughs> type of character. And she's sort of, it, it's this dichotomy between her and the new keyboard player. Oh, I guess she's the synth player. Oh. She's like the synth and uh, theremin player. And they hire 
this kid who's the new keyboard player for them. And you got really excited at the mention of the word theremin. Yeah, I'm sorry. You need to stop when you say theremin because why is there a theremin? (laughs) Because they're a pretentious rock band. It's really hard to play, though. It is. Like, that's not... I mean, I feel like you can't just put that in the background. (laughs) (laughs) And the kid wants to bring more of, like, a pop sensibility to this band. And uh, Michael Fassbender wears this giant fake head over the course of the movie and um it's sort of an exploration about him having like a linus blanket attachment to the to the head because he never takes off he like eats through it and stuff oh my gosh that's really weird yeah it's it's a really strange uh performance from fastbender it's really good but it's just it's a really strange performance from him Hmm. um it's unlike anything i've ever seen him do uh, I like that guy, though. Every time he shows up in something, I'm like, nah, I probably want to see that. Yeah, he's always good, I think. Yeah, yeah he's an excellent Magneto. I oh, think. yeah. The other movie I want to talk about is a documentary from 2010 that I've already talked your ear off about, oh gosh, I know. yeah. <laughs> but it's called Make Believe, and it's the story of these sort of five teenagers um, from all over the world that are going to Vegas to compete in what's called the World Magic Seminar. And (laughs) the World Magic Seminar is the premier magic competition for teenage magicians in the world. Um, Lance Burton uh, puts up the money for it every year, and and, uh, whoever wins gets the Lance Burton Award. And it's just sort of these five teenagers that are good at magic going to it. And... um, if you know me at all, I love magic. You love magic so much. I love it so much. <laughs> and I really like just be like it doesn't matter if I know the trick or not. Like if I if I can tell someone's misdirections or if I can't tell someone's misdirections, I'm equally amazed. Like when Fox did the like revealing the magician secrets series, I was like all about it. I watched the crap out of that. And it didn't, like, deter my enjoyment of magic at all. If anything, it strengthened it. Because even if I know how they're doing it, I can't do that. So I'm <laughs> still amazed. Um, and it's just a really sweet documentary. Um, I think that it covers the gamut of personalities that compete very well. There's sort of, like, the timid kids versus the, like, egotistical kids. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. And, you know, some of the kids are very big-headed, but they've kind of earned it um, based on what they've accomplished and, like, what... Like, they're very self-aware of their ability, so they're they're pretty egotistical. And then there's other kids that are pretty egotistical but aren't very good, and they (laughs) they think they're very good, and they've surrounded themselves with people that are telling them they're very good, but they're not, actually. And then there's just, like kids that are just happy to be there and they're the ones that you end up root for rooting for and i you know there's this kid from japan that is in it and he's just the sweetest kid and you know he's he's definitely the i'm just happy to be here category of performer and you know you just you really i really connected to that kid and and rooted for him over the course of the movie and i just really liked his story um but there's also a couple other kids i can relate to and um, I think the type of audience that magic attracts 
is sort of fringy goofball kids. <laughs> and I very much relate to being a fringy goofball kid. So I don't know. It like it made me teary when I saw the person who won and their reaction to it because they they bawled their eyes out and they worked so hard for it and they totally deserved it. And it was awesome. Um, Do you think that a part of the reason you like magic so much is because of the kind of people that do it? Oh, yeah. I'm positive of that. I think the the forms of entertainment I uh, tend to gravitate to are people I can relate to, which is like, you know, weirdo magicians and Oh, yeah. You were talking about uh, the types of shows you like more now, like like to go to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the live performance types of shows. Like, I like going to magic shows. I like going to comedy shows. And those were always, like, the kind of weird fringy kids because I understand what it's like to be the weird fringy kid. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that helped me understand, like, why I like magic so much. Um, Aside from the fact that it's just super talented to be able to do some of that that stuff. Um, Some of the tricks these kids can do are amazing. I'm like, one of the kids builds his own illusions at home. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, Make Believe, uh, it's on Netflix streaming, you should watch it, it was really good, it's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time, and uh, you should check it out. So, the reason we're here is to discuss a movie that neither one of us has seen before, and I think this week's choice is going to be a little controversial. Oh, really? Yeah, um, just given the nature of it, and... uh, But it's so, like, it's an older movie. It is. It is an older movie, but it's still pretty controversial. Like, it's still, you know, I think in in more conservative circles is whispered in hushed tones a little bit more. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about this movie, apparently. um, It's probably pretty... uh, I I expect it to hold up pretty nicely as far as effects go. Um, The film we're going to be talking about is... Um, the movie we're going to be discussing this week is William Friedkin's 1973 horror film classic, The Exorcist. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. <laughs> um, it's about a little girl who becomes possessed by a demon via Ouija board. Oh, I didn't know that either. Apparently I really don't know a lot about this movie. And sort of the priests who come to help get the demon out of her. Now, um... When this movie came out, it was pretty, pretty, like, fringy, brutal, violent, gory, intense, um, people having heart attacks and having to have the ambulances come to the theaters and pick people up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's considered one of the scariest movies of all time. What? Yep. It's It's a horror film classic, and I'm sure... That there are many of you listening to this right now going, why on earth would you decide to do this movie? It sounds exciting now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why on earth we would decide to do this movie is because I think the film boils down to a battle between good versus evil where, spoiler alert, good wins. And I like that theme. Um, Yeah, we were talking about this the other day, just about how, like, horror movies get a bad rap but they often have a really good message yep yeah i i'd agree and based on what i know of the exorcist that's that's what this is it's it's a very stylized very dramatic um telling of spiritual warfare and you know things that happen in realms beyond our 
comprehension to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, so with with all this buildup, what are you expecting from this movie? Well, gosh, I don't know now. Um, I didn't know a lot about that. But that's also something that I do. I just kind of pick movies at random. Um, I tend to like horror movies. I tend to not like the endings of horror movies. Mm. The horror movies that we've watched recently that have come out have been really good. Mm-hmm. So if this is like a classic, um, like I was there when you watched Psycho. Right. And that was really good. And so I'm thinking it's going to be really good. I'm okay. hoping it's not too scary. Um, so w- w- with... Uh... This sort of, you know, we've been watching horror movies over the last probably year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really a genre that has ever interested me that much until about the last year or so. Uh, okay. Because it was something, it was sort of unexplored territory for me. I hadn't watched a ton of horror movies because, like you said, I hate the endings usually. and I, yeah. um, The endings are usually dark and sad and... Or just stupid. dumb, yeah. yeah. Like, there's no reason for whatever happens to happen. Yeah. And I think we're seeing a resurgence of good horror movies lately. Um, the conjuring was incredible. Um, and that was, that was very much a good versus evil story where good wins. Um, Oh, we watched a horror movie this week. Oh, we did. We did. Yes, we did. Um, what did you think of the Babadook? I was really, really scared of the concept, and I didn't want to watch it, and I didn't even want you to make the Babadook voice. Um, but I wasn't... Uh, we watched it with our friend Ariel, and it wasn't... She said that I wouldn't be as scared of it after I watched it, and she was right. I wasn't as scared of it after I watched it. Yeah. Did you like it? I liked it. I... <laughs> That little child was very adorable and he disturbed. Was. He was. Um, I liked it. Uh, I, I don't think I liked it as much as I wanted to like it based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. Because, man, that trailer was fantastic. Well, like I said, I was really scared just of the movie. Like, yeah. I didn't want, I didn't really want to watch it, but I did. Yeah. I'm like that about horror movies. Yeah, that trailer was really scary. Um, scarier than the movie, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I just think, like, I thought it was a good exploration of its themes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish there would have been a little bit more going on thematically in that movie. It, it sort of all hinged on one theme, and that's about it. Um, I didn't think there was too much more going on. I thought it was super well acted by both Essie Davis, uh, who plays the mother mm-hmm. in the movie, and uh, I don't know the kid's name, but the kid did a fantastic job, a too. Really, child. really good kid actor in that movie. Yeah. Um, and I think they sold the movie really well. Yeah. Um, the end was a little strange, but <laughs> if you think about it based around its theme, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was just a good allegory for... Uh, it's theme. I'm not going to ruin the theme for you. Um, but yeah, you guys should check out the Babadook if you're in the mood for like a sort of low budge, um, more atmospheric horror movie rather than a like in your face jump scares, blood and guts horror movie. It's really true. There aren't really any jump scares. Um, mm-hmm. You're and the things that happen. Like I feel like a lot of horror movies that 
focus on the paranormal stuff, like, or like, oh, a light shut off. Now I'm really scared. But this was just like, they ignored it a lot. And so when the light flickered, she didn't care. So it's like, you didn't care as much. Right. Right. There was a, there was a good sense of dread over the whole movie, but it ended really hopeful and nice. Yeah. I think. Um, and, and it's really just a story about overcoming something. So I, I think that was what happens by the end of the movie. Like whatever's, whatever that Babadook creature represents has been overcome. Um, it's not to say it won't be struggled with. It just will, has been overcome. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a good triumphant story within the context of a horror movie. Yeah. And I liked that. Um, The Conjuring was a good triumphant story within the context of a horror movie. And I really liked that. Uh, A movie that I think was super, not very well seen last year called As Above, So Below. Oh, yeah. Was a very triumphant horror movie like there was there was a lot of really good like redemption themes at the end of that movie it's true except for you absolutely hated it until the end yeah and i think that has a lot to do i think a lot of horror movies are like that like and a strong ending can make or break something yeah um i just know i feel like i got a lot more enjoyment over that entire movie even though i was really scared and i couldn't watch some of it yeah but you know yeah so over the last year or so, we've both gotten more into horror movies because we're seeing like a more triumphant, redemptive yeah. subsection of horror movies. And I think that we got that in the 70s, too. I think a lot of the horror movies that are coming back harken back to a lot of these 70s horror movies. And so I, I, I we picked The Exorcist to sort of go explore that. Yeah. I mean, The Conjuring was even set. Like, in an earlier time, right? It was in the 70s. Yeah. And it felt like a 70s horror movie. It like really It was did. super throwback. Uh, it nailed the period. It nailed the camera work from horror movies of that era. And the 70s are considered, like, the golden age of horror mm-hmm. movies. And, and this is, you know, I would say the crown jewel of it. Um, maybe The Shining, but that came out in the early 80s. Yeah. Um, so do you think that The Exorcist is still going to be scary... 42 years later. I didn't think so until you said that it was really scary. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, I, you know, this movie is hinged on a very well-regarded performance by Linda Blair, who was only 12 at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, says some kind of horrible, disgusting things in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that horror movies also a little bit bring out good child actors, because you have to... You can't just be like, ah, I'm scared. And it translates well in a horror movie. Yeah. Yep. I also think we're going to see some good practical effects in this movie. Well, yeah. If it it holds up like you're saying it probably will, then yeah. 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 I think think that's part of the reason why it will hold up is because it's not super reliant on CGI. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there CGI then? Not really, no. Okay. Um... So they, they, they were limited by not having a computer and worked around it, and it ended up working for them, mm-hmm. I, I'd say. Um, I'm expecting it to be pretty scary, actually. Like, I'm a little nervous about this one. Okay. Um, we talked about this off mic, but, you know, demon stuff really kind of freaks me out mm-hmm. and, and scares me. But I think it's important if you consider yourself a person of faith, which both of us do, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's... 
that it's important to sort of know what you're dealing with. Um, I think the difference we're going to see is we're going to see a very over-the-top version of possession in this movie. Okay. Um, head spinning around and green throw up versus <laughs> something like, I know you haven't seen this movie, but something like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, oh, which yeah. was, based on my knowledge of actual demon possession, extremely accurate. Okay. Um, as to what goes on in a person. But that movie's also a courtroom drama um, okay. rather than a straight-up horror movie. And my understanding is that this movie is actually a family drama yeah, uh, rather I than a straight-up horror movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's got a really good cast. Ellen Burstyn and Max von Sydow are in it. Um, Max von Sydow we're going to see later on this year in Star Wars. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the performances in this movie. Because I didn't realize that either one of those people were in it, and I like them both quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm secretly excited for the Star Wars movie in general. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be disappointed, definitely, but they've been doing a really good job. Someone said they weren't ex- One, I think it was one of my friends, that they were not excited about the Star Wars. And I was like, did you see the trailer? Did you see... The videos for that contest were like all the practical effects were over there. Yeah, Ugh. and dem X wings over to water dough. Oh my gosh! Oh, so good. <laughs> um, yeah, that is definitely one I'm looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to Max von Sydow's performance in it. Um, I don't know if you saw a movie called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Yeah, he was the old man in that movie. Oh. Oh, the old okay. man across the way that didn't talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was excellent in that movie. He got an Oscar nomination off that movie. He's okay. in The Seventh Seal. Um, that's the movie that put him in the ma- on the map. He plays the knight okay. in that movie. I love that movie. I've never seen it. Oh, it's good. Also, um, I don't know if Lawrence ever listens to this podcast, but there's a funny story about Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Oh. And that is I saw it with Lawrence, and he didn't tell me that it was about 9-11. <laughs> That's really funny. So he's done that to me a couple times to where he'll secretly take me to a really sad movie. And I don't like sad movies that much. Didn't he take you to that uh, white people had it really hard in Haiti movie? What? The Impossible? Is that the name of it? No, he took me to the cancer movie. My Sister's Keeper? No, (laughs) no. The one with... uh, uh, the Fault in Our Stars? No. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. 50-50? Yep. Okay. I thought it was called 50-50, but I found I thought that sounded dumb. Oh. Um, yeah, that movie made me cry for reasons, but we'll talk about that never. Um, <laughs> so why, why do you think horror movies and, like, horror is a genre that dates back to forever? Uh-huh. Um... What do you think about horror, and and why do you think it endures? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, we were also talking about this earlier with some people, and I think that, I mean, people like to be put out of their element. I think that there's that certain adrenaline rush you get. Um, I think that, especially for the kind of movie that we're going to watch, and for the kind of movies that are about... Uh, stuff that can't be explained. I think that people are just curious about that kind of stuff because there's not... I mean, they can't get an answer. I mean, you can't get an answer if you're 
door shuts by itself, you know? Yeah. You can't just be like, why did that happen? And automatically know. People want to know answers, and... They shouldn't look to horror movies for answers. But I think that it's just something that makes people really curious and fascinated. Yeah, that's a good answer. I know that when I was younger, I used to get obsessed with those crappy History Channel documentaries, like Haunted History. Or like oh my gosh! The 10 most haunted hotels ever in the history of things. Was it really that long ago? Yeah, I was in elementary school, junior high. I feel like when I watched I those watch in those. high school, but I didn't really get extensive cable until like high school oh i'm sure they air them every year around halloween because it's easy to repeat those things got it oh my gosh that one lady who has the really creepy voice zelda rubenstein from uh poltergeist she would do the most haunted places or whatever the most haunted places in america which was hosted by linda blair who plays the little girl in the exorcist oh my gosh we wrapped it around yes we did and also the most haunted places in the world was one of my favorites of those really yeah she was i i watched I watched it mainly for her. For, for Zelda, Zelda Rubenstein? Uh-huh. So good. <laughs> I love Zelda Rubenstein, and I've only seen her in Poltergeist, but Poltergeist is also my favorite really horror movie. film of all time. Oh my gosh. It's, oh man, that movie's good. I um, didn't watch that until last year. Wow. Remember? <gasps> yeah. I called you, I think, and said that, but yeah, it was really good for really only good. seeing it like for the first time last year. Really good. Um... There is one of my all-time favorite turns, mm. tonal shifts in a movie yeah. uh, in, in Poltergeist. It goes from being the sort of like, we're messing around with ghosts. It's kind of like Ghostbusters and kind of yeah. fun <laughs> to, mm, nope. Yeah, stuff Really fast. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Man, that movie is so good. Yeah. Um, Robert Zemeckis, the director of... Back to the Future directed Poltergeist. Yep. Um, Which is why that first half is so fun. (laughs) It's very Zemeckis y. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, overall, what are you expecting from The Exorcist? Um, I expect to be a little bit more analytical of it because it's older, and I I feel like I'm going to be in that mindset of like, what did older horror movies have to offer? Same thing in kind of like Poltergeist. I was like, my wheels were turning a little bit to be mm-hmm. like, is this going to be as good effects and stuff? Um, I also feel like uh, if I get caught up in like any of the emotions of it, I'll just be in. Yeah. Because that's the thing about horror movies that really sucks me in is like the emotional pull of like, oh, you're scared now or these people are scared now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why I like so many movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that... I'll probably like it. I'm a little bit nervous about being too scared of it, but I think that it will be okay. Like, scariness. I think I'll be okay with the scariness. Yeah. Yeah, I think as long as the end is redemptive, I'll be okay with it. If it's gratuitous and dark and sad and and twisted, I'm not going to like it that much. I thought you said that it was redemptive. As far as I know, it is. Okay. Um, you know, that, that could also be totally incorrect. Um, I haven't seen the movie still. Yeah. But based on my uh, limited knowledge of the film, which is pretty much uh, the animation, The Exorcist in 30 Seconds reenacted by Bunnies, <laughs> it's pretty redemptive. What? Um, yep. 
If you want to laugh, you should look up The Exorcist in 30 Seconds Reenacted by Bunnies. Mm, we should watch that after. We should. I've <laughs> seen it many a time. Uh, that was a real fun viral thing at the beginning of the aughts. Um, the what? The 2000s. Oh. Yep. I think at the end of the day, I, I, I'm going to like this movie. I generally like older horror movies. I've liked the older horror movies that we've seen uh, for the podcast and for not the podcast, Poltergeist being my favorite of all time. And that movie's like 35 years old or something. And Psycho was, you know, another really good one. Um, yeah. I, I think there was, there's something about the limitations of cinema in that era that forced movies to be scarier. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, I think you just had to be more creative rather than just like, booga, 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 and now you're scared. <laughs> um, you know, which is gets old after a while because you get the timing down. Like, movies that have a lot of jump scares have a rhythm to them. Like, it's like, downtime, 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 scared. Which is why The Conjuring was so good. Sorry to go back to that again, but because it messed with those ideas that you had about that oh, timing. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally, that scene where the guy goes and gets the coffee, uh-huh. and you're just like, some freaky stuff's gonna happen in the kitchen. <laughs> some freaky stuff's gonna happen outside. Some freaky stuff's gonna happen when he walks outside. Some freaky stuff's gonna happen <laughs> when he gets to the door after going outside. Some freaky stuff's gonna happen right now, and then it did. And but you were like, you were questioned it so much by that time that it like. That impact still happened. We've seen the movie twice now, and it still was just like, ah, (laughs) I do not like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think The Exorcist is going to be good. I hope it's thematically really, really good. That's that's my biggest hope for this movie. Um, If not, I'm going to feel just kind of dirty, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. If it it ends up being, like, just a gross demon movie, I'm not going to like it. I don't feel like it is. Yeah. But I guess if it's still controversial, it might be. I don't know. Yeah. I think people may get caught up too much in the gross uh, elements of it. Uh-huh. Um, there's, there's some pretty... What's it rated? It's rated R. Like, super okay. rated R. Like, even for today's... Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Got it. Yep. But I, I, I think that there is a way that it can get away with it. And there's, I think it's going to go either way. There's either, it's either going to totally be justified in its brutality or completely gratuitous and unnecessary. Okay. So, and, and that's something I'd, I'd like to explore, um, in the after segment. Um, yeah. do you have anything else to add? No. <laughs> okay. Um, well, thank you guys for listening. I know we were gone for a week, but we're back. Woo-hoo. And, uh, if you would like to contact the show, before and after show at gmail.com to uh, tell us what you think about the show and whether or not uh, you like horror movies um, and what are some of your favorites if, if yeah. you are. Um, you Maybe know, there's some a, that you can watch. Yeah, yeah, some recommendations um, for the spookier times of the year Halloween. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's that's it for this episode of the Before and After Show. Kristen and I will be back next week to talk to you about what we thought about William Friedkin's 1973 film, The Exorcist. Scary voice. <laughs> uh, until then, go watch something. <laughs>